open all the things. Am I recording? I am recording. Good. See a big red dot. That would be the important step. Yes. Okay. I would hate to have to talk about this movie twice. I know. God, tell me about it. Hello, and welcome to Where the People Aren't, a Disney podcast for misanthropes. I'm Allie. And I'm Jessie. We're two 30-something women who grew up on Disney and like to analyze things until we don't enjoy them anymore. Every episode, we select a different Walt Disney production to watch and investigate. We'll explore the origins of the story, the controversies surrounding the film, give you more information about the production than you probably care to know, and exchange witty banter. Thank you for listening, and remember that this is a hobby, so if you find us boring and not entertaining, you'll have to complain to someone who cares because we don't. We don't. Today, we are talking about the 1994 classic, Blank Check. Oof, we sure are. (laughs) I'll take it on this one. This was my choice. Let's just keep exchanging horrible ideas every episode until we're even. I mean, there's a lot of them, so it could get us pretty far. Quarantine's been pretty good for Disney+. Plus. It sure has. Should we dive into some year facts? Let's do it. So we've actually done 1994 before with The Lion King. Okay, we have got to stop picking movies made in the same year. Well, I decided I do actually need to make a chart with years, like check boxes next to years so that I know which one I've done before. Because I don't want right. to repeat facts and be boring. No. So as mentioned in our Lion King episode, the biggest hit of that year was I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. Sure was. The second biggest chart topper was I Swear by All for One. And I swear. By the moon and the stars and the stars, I'll be there, I swear, like the shadow that's by your side, I'll be groups with numbers in their names were like a thing mm-hmm. in the 90s the 1994 winter olympics took place in lilyhammer is that how you say it lilyhammer lilyhammer yep norway despite being clubbed in the knee only weeks before nancy kerrigan took silver in ladies single skating and tanya harding who allegedly organized the attack took eighth place in june of that year she was permanently banned from participating in the united states figure skating association but margot robbie played her in a movie so that's a pretty good deal Oh, that was movie was actually supposed to be pretty good, but I never saw it. Oh, it was really good. Was I it? I think it's on Hulu. Ooh, maybe I'll have to watch that. There's also a episode of 30 for 30, the sports the ESPN, ESPN yeah, right? that I, I, I don't care about sports whatsoever, but the 30 for 30s are always really good. Okay. So there's a really interesting one about her on where they interview her a lot. She's very insane. Yeah. She also did the like celebrity boxing thing. Yes, she did. That's right. Man, what a complex person. O.J. Simpson led police on a low-speed chase on a freeway in Los Angeles following the murder of his ex-wife, Nicole Brown. The trial becomes one of the biggest in recent history. It was often called the trial of the century, similar to the Lindenberg baby case, and ruins both O.J.'s career and Ford Broncos, which sucks because they're pretty cool cars. Oh, I'm going to have to disagree on that front. You think, really? I think that they're neat. (laughs) (laughs) Neat. I like them. They're like little little adolescent trucks. I suppose. 
That's well, they, one. they stopped making them in 1996. I don't know if it was because of the association. Kind of like how Nike stopped making those shoes that everybody in the Heaven's Gate cult was wearing. Oh, yeah. They just stopped making them. I mean, there's just a lot of bad PR you can't overcome. Yeah, that's true. Whether you made it happen or not. Like, <laughs> right. Nike had no control over that, but there it is. There it is. The 1994 World Series is canceled due to an MLB strike. The job kind, not the baseball kind. It's the first. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I had to tuck that in there. I don't know very many sports puns, so when I see one, I leap. It is the first time that a World Series had been canceled since 1904. Wow. Yeah. And on February 11th, Blank Check was released. Oh, Blank Check. Oh, Blank Check. It was directed by Rupert Wainwright. The music was done by Nicholas Pike, which I'm going to say was kind of legit. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty great soundtrack. Yeah. After a crook named Carl Quigley nearly kills 11-year-old Preston Waters by running over the boy's bike, he mistakenly gives the boy a blank check. The resourceful Preston makes out the check for a million dollars and cashes it. As Preston enjoys spending his windfall, Carl realizes his mistake and goes looking for the boy. While the FBI searches for Preston's alias, the mysterious Macintosh, Preston soon learns the real value of money. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He doesn't learn shit. (laughs) Released February 11th, 1994, it had a budget of $13 million and a box office of $30.6 million. Wow. It has a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb, a 9% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, which Ooh. I think is the lowest score we've seen so far. You hate to see it. That's got to hurt. That's rough. But Google, the yes, no, like it, don't like it, is 75%. Which really? seems awfully high. It like, was I don't just even... it was one guy who just kept voting over and over kept again. Voting yes, I, like I can't even like argue nostalgia on this one. It was not good. No, it wasn't good at all. Shockingly, this movie did not get nominated for a Golden Raspberry, let alone any other awards. This is a hundred percent speculation, but I believe the origin story is. Hmm, Richie Rich and Home Alone. Can we combine them and make it worse? Yes, yes, you can. There's a Macaulay Culkin joke in there somewhere, but I just can't. Part of why we started the podcast was because we kind of didn't anticipate, I think, doing these types of movies. No, I don't think we initially thought we would do that. We didn't think we were going to have more than four episodes, so we didn't think we'd have to do any real work. We thought we'd bomb out at about episode three, so... So... What, what did you uh, what'd you think of it? So I picked this movie. When was the last time you saw it? Do you remember before this? Probably 1994. Yeah. I, d- I did watch this when I was a kid. I remember watching this when I was a kid. The only thing that I remember from this movie is the water slide. That was the only thing you remember? That's the only thing I remember okay. from this movie. I remember thinking, man, that's a bitchin' water slide. <laughs> like, that's it. That's my entire my entire reasoning for picking this movie for this episode was, yeah. huh, that water slide was sweet. <laughs> and Let's it do is. an episode it's about got it. A- a thing from the office that he can go in like that's cool i want a water slide i can jump into from the upper level of my house sure who doesn't that's great but that's my entire basis for wanting to watch this movie and i got a real slap in the face when i realized that it was just like full of pedophilia yeah that was kind of a bummer wasn't it unexpected i started googling stuff to do some research before i watched it i was like oh oh no there's a review that i i think dana schwartz is the woman's name who watched it when it was released on Netflix, I think in 2017. And she also had fond memories of it. And I'm going to just kind of read some quotes from that because she was very much on the same page as us where she was like, mm-hmm. oh, 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 no. Oh, oh no, no. Is right. What did you think of it, Allie? I also saw it probably the last time in about 1994. 
and I do remember watching it. I remember the chauffeur. That was what I remembered from it. And like that shopping trip that he went on. And I remember thinking that it was, you know, just like a goofy kids movie. I went in expecting it to just be like a a funny, silly, goofy kids movie. And I didn't realize that it was a horror movie. A terrible, terrible. I think I said this to you when we were texting. Do we like Disney movies? Because I feel like we're Um, generally. We're going to like Disney movies after this podcast. No, I just feel like we're really ruining ruining our childhood memories by. But I feel like we say that every time we watch one of these and it wasn't any way, shape, or good. Like, we're like, oh shit. Yeah, that's true. We've got to pick one that we actually enjoyed. Yeah. Next. We need to, we need to do like the, like we a We need to lift frog. ourselves up a little bit here. Although Connor wants us to do, there's a pirate movie, like an old from like the fifties pirate movie that he wants us to do, which I'm sure is going to be also terrible. What, which one is it? Is I it don't the know. Blackbeard one? Maybe. Because I've seen that one on. Maybe. Because I think it. it, I think it popped up as we were searching for blank checks. So yeah, Blackbeard yeah, I makes think sense. That one. That, that, I mean, I'm sure that that's better than this. It's hard to not be better than this. Spoilers. Spoilers. We didn't really care too much for this movie. We but did let's, not let's, care for this movie. Let's get into it. So should we should we dig right into production let's notes? Let's dig right into the production notes. As with every crappy generalized kids movie from the nineties, there isn't much to talk about here. In England, it's blank check spelled C H E Q U E because you know that's how you spell checks. Yeah, it was filmed in Texas. Like I think everything was filmed in Texas. They weren't even like in different locations. So there's a couple of iconic texas locations apparently or not iconic but like things that are like big in texas so that's weird because it's it's set in indiana is it yeah are you sure i think so because everything about it is texas he's he wears a shirt that says Texas. all of the um all of the cars have indiana plates are you kidding i'm not notice that yeah well it's definitely set in texas as far as i remember like everything about it was texas So the bank featured in the movie is the historic Alamo National Bank building because Texas is incredibly committed to remembering the Alamo. If they did, if they went that far out of their way to make it Texas, why would it be set in Indiana? I don't believe you that it's set in Indiana. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to Google it right now. I'm going to look it up too. I'm going to pull up the Wikipedia right now. Because the whole thing was filmed in Texas. Well, my commitment to it being in Indiana is based just totally on the fact that it had all all the cars had Indiana plates. I want to pull it up now and like look at it. Weird. I had no idea. You're going to die on this hill? Mm -hmm. You know what? I do have a link to the internet movie car database. I bet I can search this movie and find it. Hillsdale, Indiana, the Wikipedia page. The 1994 children's film Blank Check was set in a fictionalized version of Hillsdale, which seems to be a major city rather than a true life community. However, the movie was filmed in and around Austin, Texas. Well, and like the house that they used is like an iconic house in this neighborhood of Texas. Like the mansion? The castle, yeah. Well, what the hell? Why on earth would they set it in Indiana? Maybe they just wanted it to be super boring. It's just such a, it's like they wrote it for Indiana and they're like, hmm, it's cheaper to film in Texas. We just won't change anything about it. <laughs> that is so strange. So weird. Well, maybe the Alamo also happened in Indiana. I don't know. Uh, you know. Like, I don't know. I can't remember if it, like, looks like it's the Alamo National Bank, but it's, it is the Alamo National Bank. Never anyway. forget your pin at the Alamo National Bank. So the castle that Preston buys was the Pemberton Castle, which is also known as the Fisher Gideon House. 
Like, this house has a name. This is a legit Texas house, which is so weird to me that they set it in Indiana. It yeah. started as a water tower in the 1890s. That's why it was a built. A water tower? A water tower. Hmm. It was expanded into a small castle in the 1920s by Samuel Fisher as an office to sell the subdivision of land that became the neighborhood around it called Pemberton Heights. And then they it was made into a more gothic-like ca- castle in 1937 when it was purchased by architect Samuel Gideon and his wife Sadie. Wow, this is like a... It's like a Lego castle. They just kept building around it. Basically, somewhere at the center of it, there's a water tower, apparently. That's so Texas. That's so Texas. And Indiana. I don't have much else for production. This, I mean, they managed to make a sound, a movie that sounds exactly like 1994. Yes, it does. Like, the the second it started playing, like, there's the super ominous music as he's escaping the jail, which we'll get to later. Yes. But I was like, oh, man, this is just a 1990s movie. Like, everything about, we talk about that later. So everything about it is movie. Yeah. very 90s. The other review note that I made is from Janet Maslin of the New York Times. She wrote, it's a movie that no parent in their right mind should let children see. Well, like in case they get ideas. (laughs) I guess. Interesting. I did read, I don't remember where it was from, but I did read a review that was from when it was released in 94. And it was just something like, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't have anything else to do, I'm sure your kids would enjoy it. But there's probably something better. You could probably find something better. Should we get into some cast and crew? Yes, let's. So the first and I think most important note that we can make in this entire podcast. Yes. At the time of filming, Brian Bunzal, who played Preston Waters, was 11 years old. 11. 11. While Karen Duffy, who played the FBI agent Shay, whose last name I can't remember, was 31. So for those eagle eye listeners, uh, he was a child. A very young child. And she was a gross, pervy adult. A gross, pervy, grown-ass woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, not Karen Duffy herself. I'm sure she just needed a job. She's probably and- fine. Well, she, I'm sure she's fine. She was diagnosed with something like the year this movie came out. Oh, well, now I feel awful for making fun of her. So in 1995, she was diagnosed with a rare form of a disease, scar... I don't even know how to say this. Hold on. Scardios- scardiosis? I don't even sure. know what it is. What is it? Uh, it's an abnormal collection of inflammatory cells in the lungs. Oof. Skin, lymph nodes. Ooh, gross. It just sounds awful. Lung stuff freaks me out. So I'm sure that Karen Duffy is a lovely woman. Unfortunately, she got cast in this shit movie. I bet she made some good money off of it. I hope she did. She was also in a movie in the same year. She was in Dumb and Dumber, where she also played a character named Shay. Really? Yeah. Weird coincidence, but there you have it. Brian Bensal quit acting the year after this movie came out. Good for him. Yeah. He has gone on to be in a variety of punk bands that all sound straight out of my high school soundtrack. Apparently, he's also been arrested for a bunch of DUIs, which is also very punk rock. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Though he is, I would like to say, I did look it up, and he is clean now. So Good for him. Way to um, go, also, Brian. not going to lie, I listened to a lot of his music. It's legit. Is I, it really good? I, okay. I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, it felt like I was in you know junior year of high school again, but that's not necessarily a bad thing when that's it comes punk to punk rock, music. baby. It's it's just fun. It's got that like punk rock voice okay. that you know like every punk band of the early 2000s had. Yes. I'll link to his band camp because why not? But it was fun. It's actually kind of good, fun music. Okay. I'll look it up. I didn't listen to any of it. I didn't. That's because I go too deep. No, it's because you care about your job I and the care. people you're talking about. And I just don't. Brian Bunzal, if you're listening, Allie doesn't care about you. I'm very proud of you for getting sober, though. Good for you, bro. 
The computer used to provide the voice of Mr. McIntosh is an Apple Macintosh Performa 600, which was the computer that he was using. So that's pretty funny. They just used the computer. So speaking of Brian Bonsall, who I don't care about, apparently, he played Bob Saget's son in the film Father and Scout, which was also released in 1994. And I have to, I have to read the Wikipedia synopsis. Please enlighten me. I haven't read this because I was waiting for you to read it to me. Father and Scout chronicles the tale of love and love lost within a family. Writer Spencer Paley, Bob Saget, agrees to go on a father-son camping trip to Catalina Island with his eight-year-old son, Michael, Brian Bonsall. Their love is tested and ultimately endures after Spencer accidentally sits on a slice of pizza. Wait, what? The film explores the complex relationship between parents and offspring and the fear of being in caves. At the 2007 TV Land Awards, Bob Saget said Father and Scout was the most meaningful role I've ever played. Fuck Full House. Shitting all over the character of Danny Tanner and his three toe-headed girls. Yeah, I'm guessing that somebody was just fucking around on Wikipedia, but that actually did Is this a Disney make... movie? Do we get to watch it someday? I don't think it's a Disney movie. It was a made-for-TV movie. I remember... Oh, Also, I'm pretty sure it did come out in 2000... Or in 1994 as well, which means in 1994, Brian Bonsall played an 8-year-old and a 12-year-old. <laughs> well, I mean, depending on filming... Michael Lerner is the actor who played the banker. Mm-hmm. I think his name was Mr. Biterman or Biterman. Biterman, Biterman, one of those two. He also played Mr. Weisel or Mr. Weasel in Newsies, the newspaper distributor. And that's all I can think of whenever I see him in any role. He's just like this dude bullying Oh, he was. Christian yeah, Bale. I forgot about that guy. From what I've seen, he always plays like corrupt lawyer. I think he was in For Richer or Poorer. He has a pleasant face. There's something about him that I like, even though he always plays creeps. Uh, it's his eyes. His yeah. eyes are the creepy part. Yeah. He does kind of look like a weasel, but I'm kind of into it. He seems like I would, I, like he'd be a cool uncle. He seems like the uncle that would be just a little bit creepy, but would always give you really like great presents or like yeah. slip you 20 bucks. That's what I'm saying. So you put up with his slight creepiness. Yeah. So let's get into this this movie. So we start, we open on the most 90s ominous music that you've ever heard in your life. Yes. And somebody escaping prison. It's raining. It's nighttime. It's, it's terrifying. Raining, it's dark. You can't see anything. There's Everything mud is everywhere. It's 1994. The credits are all wobbly because it's 1994 and they haven't perfected that graphic thing yet. <laughs> you know what and I'm talking about. And this guy escapes prison and we never hear about it again. So I'm going to pull up the review. Turns out the movie Blank Check was actually very messed up and weird by Dana Schwartz. We should like at her on and Twitter. And this is what yeah, I, I will, what she says. So the movie opens with a guy escaping from prison. It is never it is never mentioned again that he escaped from prison. No one is ever looking for him. The police are not on his trail. No one ever acknowledges that this man is supposed to be in prison. Even like at the end when the FBI shows up and they're like arresting these guys, no one's like, oh, we oh, got you back from when you escaped escaped from prison at the beginning of this like no one acknowledges this guy is just out dry where did he get a car where did he find a suit what the fuck okay this is the escape convict he's running in the rain he's got that orange jumpsuit he has broken handcuffs how did he escape why was he in handcuffs if he was already in prison how did he break the handcuffs where did he get welding tools how did he get into this building why is he wearing a welding mat? where did he get the welding shit 
that really bothered me because people don't just like leave their their well, welding yeah, things right? around. Like that shit's expensive. And why isn't this movie about this apparent criminal mastermind? Right. And like, okay, so but uh, mastermind, but at the same time, when he's trying to open that panel, when he's first pulling on it, he's fucking kneeling on the panel. Like that's not going to open, bud. You can't be kneeling. He's on a the criminal thing you're mastermind, to open. not an actual smart person. He's not a saying. physicist, is what you're saying. <laughs> he doesn't understand how things like putting your knee on a cover will make you not open it work. Right. It's not perfect. And so then how much money was in his suitcase? It was a million dollars. Okay, but then where did he get this car? Where did he get the clothes that he's wearing? Because as I mentioned, he was in handcuffs in an orange jumpsuit. Yes. So theoretically, there should be less than a million dollars in there. So are we talking, are you suggesting that this man took some money out of this and in his muddy ass prison jumpsuit with his broken handcuffs, he walked into like, I was going to say a Woolworths, which I think is a extinct drugstore. I don't know why I said into a Woolworths and bought himself <laughs> some store, I think. Is it still? Not anymore, but it was. He um, went back in time to 1940 and bought himself a nice suit. <laughs> I'm assuming that we're supposed to think that he has like a contact somewhere that hooked him up and saw, again, the broken handcuffs off of his wrists. So like he's all concerned about getting like money that's unmarked, right? But why? Like it's 1994. Technology isn't that great. Why didn't you just take that money and go spend it? See, I didn't even pick up on that. Like what I was didn't the even, point? Of it didn't taking even occur to, to me. Bank. Why are you even trying to exchange this at the bank? It, I didn't. I was so like over this already. Oh, it's literally just occurring in. to me right now. Why? So all right, he. All we know is that he's escaped from prison. He's very muddy. He can time travel back to a time when World Woolworths was a thing, <laughs> and. He has a million dollars. We're assuming that he's in prison for the million dollars. We don't know. Maybe he. We don't know. Maybe, maybe he murdered somebody. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe this was his like his security blanket. Maybe he has a bunch of unpaid parking tickets. Maybe he what, helped Richard Ramirez. What? Did they imprison parking tickets? I imagine that there's a number where if you have enough, they'll probably throw you in there for a while. Fair enough. Just to get you off the streets. But yeah, it's never touched on it. Like we literally, like he, the opening of this movie is him escaping prison and we never hear about it again. Never. At all. And then we cut to Preston Waters. Meet Preston, everyone. Meet Preston in a bedroom that is bigger than my entire first floor. It is quite large, but that's how they make them in Texas, Indiana. (laughs) And his brothers are running a business what they the start a business called? called like hand and foot or something hand like and foot or something i don't know foot what are they, does it ever, or something. is it ever given out like what they do they're probably like enron and they don't really do anything do you think they're just faking it to get their dad's approval i think the that, worst father think in all this, of texas indiana enti- <laughs> i think that this entire family needs some pretty intensive intervention and therapy. Because, uh, yeah. So and much therapy. therapy. And probably a divorce, to be quite honest. Like these people are not good for each other. So these peop these these two boys barge their way barge into, into room. his room and announce nondescript office things. And yeah. then his dad comes in with a computer that he apparently literally stole from work. So that's one of my notes. He basically says, Oh, this was a spare from work, so I just took it. It is nineteen ninety four. This is a Apple computer, so this shit was probably worth like several thousand dollars, and he just boosted it, so the dad's a crook. Maybe the guy was in prison for helping the dad steal a bunch of office equipment. Right, like we get, I because I do the receiving at work, so we get a bunch of like computer equipment, right? That shit goes directly into the locked security 
secure server Absolutely, room. it does. It does not left out. It's not just easily grabbed by anyone. We also what don't know what fu- his dad does, do we? Uh, no, but I'm sure it has something to do with, like, investment banking or something. He's a businessman at the... He's a professional... Businessman with a capital B. Vincent Businessman. Three kids in a trench coat. We get a real snapshot of what this family is like, and frankly, they're awful. He's being abused. He's being physically abused by his brothers, and his dad's just like, well, maybe you shouldn't be such a pussy-ass little bitch. Like, this whole whole situation is terrible. The dad part is really bad. I'm going to say, as an older sister who has definitely hit her brother with both a chair and a bag of marbles, that's just sibling shit. We fought a lot. Johnny and I fought a lot when we were kids. We were too close in age, and all we did was fight. If I ever hit my sister, my mother would have crucified me. I was left at home in charge a lot of the time because I was, you know, latchkey kids of the 90s. I was 10 years old and that was old enough to be in charge of How old is Johnny? He is two years younger than I am. Okay. So you're all two years apart, right? Annie is three years younger than She's five years younger than me. Okay. So Annie mostly cowered in the corner and cried and Johnny and I would fight each other and that was our entire summer. So much has changed. So much has changed. I mean, Johnny and I don't fight each other anymore. That's true. There is a line while the father is setting up this computer that he stole from his job at the business place. At his place of business. He's trying to sort of, I don't know, upsell it or or describe how advanced it is. And he says, this computer can teach you how to do everything but make love to a woman. He said this in front of his children. And then the mother walks in and says, well, now we know what to get your dad for Christmas. You have three children with this man. Like, your kids don't need to know that your husband is shit at fucking you. They don't need to know that you're unfulfilled by your husband's sexual Yeah, like, I'm sorry that he won't go down on you for more than 90 seconds because his neck gets cramped. But, like, you don't have to say that shit in front of your kids. I mean, from the sounds of this, he doesn't even go down on her, like... Or he's really bad at it, which is worse. He's, he's what's his face? DJ Khalid or whatever. Who yeah, that's right. He's going to college because he's the king. Beneath him. Fuck that guy. I'm gonna Every time another. I see him, I'm like, fuck that guy. You won't go down on your wife. And announces it. Do you remember when that whole thing? Like Smash Mouth came out and was like, fuck <laughs> DJ Khalid for not going down on his wife. Yeah, man. He really wrote <laughs> his own check with that one. And you have Smash Mouth coming after you. So it's Preston's birthday coming up soon. Yes. That's why his brothers moved in. That's why his brothers are taking over his room. And the top of his birthday list is for someone to knock off his brothers. So I liked this. I thought that that was funny because I used to make lists like that. Not that I ever wish my sister dead, but I used to make outrageous lists like that too. His list is... I think it starts with knock off my brothers and he he wants his own house because he wants his own space. And I was like, kiddo, I'm like 20 years older than you. And that looks like my birthday list. Right. I also hate your brothers and I want to own a nice house. (laughs) It's not so much to ask. In this economy. And then he gets a check from his grandmother and she left it blank. Oh, foreshadowing. Now, this is not the titular blank check. No, 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 no. no, This is the precursor blank check. That's right. This, it plants the seed. And so he asked, he he asks his his dad, well, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't know how checks work. I'm 10 or whatever. And his father says, well, we're just going to fill in the amount. And how much do you want? And Preston says, I want a million dollars. Just like that. And his dad's like, yeah, you're not, you're, 
we don't even love you enough to give you your own room. We're not scamming yeah. your grandmother out of a million dollars. So he writes no. him a check for $11. Well, no, first he says $10. And Preston goes, come on. And then right. he goes, oh, all right. Interest, $11. $11. And then he goes, $11 like, you, can, dollars. you can make a fortune if you know how to invest $11. And, rah, rah, rah. and then Preston goes to his fancy new computer that his father stole. Yes. And plugs into this program that's clearly just on the computer about what, like, how long it would take. Somehow he just knows what the interest rate is. Sure. I mean, he's 12. He's 12. Or 11. Or how uh, old he is. And the computer tells him that it's going to take, like, 314,000 years or something. And I saw a note and I didn't actually look into it at all because I didn't care enough that said that that was actually super wrong and it was only like 381 years that it was going to take. <sighs> it's off by like a thousand. It's off by a factor of a thousand. Good lord. So yeah. he he decides that he's going to be responsible and he's going to open a savings account. He's going to put his money in a savings account. So he our tiny hero by himself goes to okay well he wants to put it in the bank because that's the only way his brothers won't steal it because because they stole his money they stole his life savings right which was in a change jar but also sounded like it was maybe 73 cents yeah it wasn't a lot but no he doesn't have a job he's very small and he doesn't have any degrees yet so that's understandable that he's kind of struggling but he thinks the only way to keep his 11 dollars is to put it in a bank so Fair this enough. child who is so neglected that he has to, as a, let's pick an age. Is he 10? He's 12. He's 12. He's turning 12. So this not even yet 12 year old has to protect his assets by putting them in a bank. That's already crappy. He goes to the bank by himself because by his himself. parents are too busy having unsatisfying sex with each other. And encouraging their other children to be bastards. Yes. To accompany him to the bank. So he goes to the bank and he's like, he looks so tiny because this is the Alamo Bank in Texas, Indiana. And everything in Texas is bigger. Everything in Texas, Indiana is bigger. And he goes up to the counter and it is a, a beautiful 1990s woman. Let's back it up a second. First, he goes to the front of the bank. And on the front of the bank, in like one of those little like flyer holders, yes, is an announcement about the new teller, like flyers sure. of this woman. What? That implies that people are supposed to like take them home. Yeah. Or like care about their new part-time tellers. Yeah, that is kind of odd, isn't it? It was a very weird way to be like, oh, there is a pretty lady in this building. <laughs> we should pay attention to her. It was very weird. So he goes up and he's like, hi, I'm Preston. What's the last name? Waters. I'm Preston Waters. The most and pretentious I'm... name they could have come up with. <laughs> I tuck my pants. Oh, I, we, we forgot the whole birthday party scene. Oh my God. We'll get we there. The, we'll get back to that. I tuck my polo shirts into my pants because I'm a cool guy and I want to open an account. Here's $11. And she's like, well, this is great, but you actually can't open an account with less than 200 which I don't think is true. No. Okay. So here's the thing. When I, 1994, I was eight. No, nine. I was nine because I can do math. You were nine and even I, if you couldn't do math. I, I've had a lot of bourbon. And I went, I remember, I don't know if it was exactly this year, but I remember when I was somewhere in that age, going to the bank with my dad and opening bank accounts for all of us kids. And like, they were like kid bank accounts, right? Where like, you didn't have to have like, you could put $10 in this banking account because you were a kid and obviously you did not have any money. Also, my dad couldn't remember our birthdays and I had to tell him what all of our birthdays were. Yikes. He worked rotating shifts, so to be fair, he was probably like exhausted. Sure. 
And my mom was in charge of all that shit. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, there was definitely like kid accounts are a thing. Yeah, you probably definitely. need a parent to open this kid account. Yeah, that's a thing. And I get like the whole latchkey kid shit. Like, yeah, but that meant that you were take home care of alone for a right. while. You weren't. And I know that people are maybe a little bit more overprotective now, which I think is fine. If I had a kid, they'd live in a crate like a. Oh my veal. god, it's terrifying. Having like, a child is the worst. I wouldn't let them leave the the. There's a million reasons I don't have kids, and that's one of them. I would just be like, you're going to live in this refrigerator that I unplugged. <laughs> You'll be safe in there. I'll poke some air holes and feed you three right? times a day. And they would be like weird feral kids. Anyway, <laughs> you need to accompany your child to the bank. Seriously. Even if it's for an $11 check, like, what did they think they were gonna, he was going to do with this check? And There was no to, mobile deposits back then. According to their own narrative, he's gotten a check from his grandmother every year. So what happened to those checks? They probably gave him to the brothers. But then what? What happened to those checks? I don't know. I don't know. This movie is falling apart. (laughs) We demand financial answers. Let's back it up to the birthday party for Butch. So earlier in the movie, or maybe it's, I think it's after he gets his check. I don't even know. I don't remember, but there is a birthday party going on at a kind of Valley Fair type, just theme park. Uh, I believe it was the Six Flags Mm. of Texas. Indiana. And Texas he asks his dad for some money because he you need it to do anything at the theme park. And, and he's gives 12. him like, like $6. He gives him $6. <laughs> $6. Even in 1994, that's, that's, that's not, not going to do enough. So he goes to this party and this kid is a total shithead. And this is a problem I have with this movie. There's no subtlety whatsoever. Like his brothers are huge assholes. This butch kid is a huge asshole for it's no reason. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. There is no degrees of There's nothing. Yeah. Preston has a terrible time because he can't do anything. And he's wearing a polo shirt. He's wearing the worst of the 90s attire that you possibly could. Baggy cake khaki shorts. Terrible oversized striped polo tucked in to the khaki shorts. Yeah. That was, of all 90s attire, that was like the worst. Butch was wearing one of those like four panel multi bright colored shirts and a matching hat that he had on backwards. You know what? Those were cool in the 90s, Alex. There are no winners. never were. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Those weird striped polos weren't either. They never were. You have got to stop defending Butch. You know what? Butch was just a kid. He's a t- <laughs> he was pretty much the worst. He's a terrible little boy. I think he's being abused. Kids don't act out like that for no reason. Is he being abused at home too? I don't know. Maybe financially maybe abused by his family. Just assholes. Does he have conduct disorder? Or he's just a dick for no reason. <laughs> just a dick for no reason. Terrible. Anyway, so he Preston tries to open a bank account and he can't. Is it when he's leaving the bank that he gets run over by the car? Yes, I think so. Yeah, so he leaves the bank. He's like, okay, I'll take my check for $11, which I don't think he ever actually cashes. So score one for grandma. She didn't actually have to pay out on that <laughs> Right. One. So he's leaving the bank and he runs into Butch again, who's just stalking him, apparently. Apparently. And then he falls. Oh, he, he just fucking falls over. Yeah. Which, like, you so I think something is stuck First in, his, all, in the gears or something. So he Why are you biking in a parking lot? Full of cars. Yeah. That's a dumb move on your part. And then Quigley, our nefarious escapee who never faces consequences for that, fucking guns it out of this parking spot. Well, because Quigley was also in the bank and he was talking to the yes, Mr. Weasel that's guy. that's when he was talking to Mr. Weasel and- about getting clean bills or whatever. But so then he's my- gunning it out. Like, he yeah, he backed out, very it fast. out of that, backing, that parking spot. 
I I really wonder if somewhere out there in the ether there's a coherent explanation as to just like the a linear explanation as to what is going on in this plot. What exactly did Quigley go to jail for? What were the circumstances? How is Biederman even involved? Why is he helping? Right. Isn't Quigley worried about being caught? Seriously, like you're an escapee from prison. You're exchanging a million dollars through a financial institution. And what does Biederman have to do with it? When they say Why something is during this the conversation, like you, you pointed at me during the trial. Like, okay, so he was involved somehow, but like, how? Why? Why is he? How? Why is he trying so hard to help you now? What do you have over this guy now that even gives you any right to have him help you? Where are the pictures? Give us the evidence. What are they of? You? That's gross. So Preston's bike gets mangled by the speeding car out of the parking spot. Yes. And Quigley is not good with children or people, apparently. So he's trying to, like, pay off this kid. But there's too much attention and the cops are coming. Yes. So he signs one of these starter checks. Like, okay, so if you ever opened a checking account, right? You Like, when you first open it, you get starter checks, which are yep. just, like, generic blank yes. checks. They don't, they don't have your don't account have your number name, on them. They don't have your account number on them. They don't seem legitimate in any way, shape, yes. or form. And Biederman so is, gave him a bunch. And Biederman gave him a bunch, which, like, anyone who opens a checking account gets these. They're... Yes really weird i don't know why they're a thing especially now with like the age of printers like you can print me like 20 checks that are like legitimate checks but whatever so he has this starter checkbook and he signs the check and hands this kid a blank check and beats it out of there because Because there were cops they saw a cop coming so he's like oh i gotta cheese it can't can't get on the cops because we're never gonna mention it again but i totally escaped from prison So Preston goes home and given our foreshadowing event of getting a blank check from grandma, he knows what to do with this check. So he goes on his fancy ass computer that his dad stole and he starts typing out different amounts. He starts with like a thousand dollars and you know, a million dollars. He finally gets to a million dollars. He types in there. And then this is might be my favorite part of the movie. He selects all and starts playing with the fonts to figure out which font to use. That is a rite of passage for every 90s <laughs> and they kid. Had, like all of the bad 90s fonts, like the icicle one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It cracked me up. I love it. But so then he prints off the check with this $1 million made out to himself. And let me tell you, I have had to print things out onto pre-printed lines you don't get that in one shot. That takes like three chais of adjusting the spacing I to make the that same happen. thing because I used to print out addresses on envelopes a lot when I was younger. It was a hobby. It was something to keep me off the streets. <laughs> and that shit is not easy. Like you that have is to not keep a one and done kind of thing. No, it's hard. that is and- measuring your check or your envelope or your whatever and it's making sure that it's all lined up and your margins are set that is not as easy as Preston made that out to be I don't know very much about financial fraud and I don't know very much about parenting but I know about printing things out and so you can't pull that fast one on me Disney no that's when this movie really started to fall apart when he aligned that shit perfectly and didn't even like test it no he didn't even test it like I would have had printed out like on a blank piece of paper and like held it up to the light like is that lined up are we good can i do this also what sort of printer does he have that he can just easily put a check in there without any thought whatsoever i'm saying i'm saying this whole movie is stupid it's real dumb so he gets his check for a million dollars and he goes back to the bank 
And, and he goes up to getting a- hot bank teller Shay. <laughs> He gets the cranky old lady who looks very much like Biederman in a wig. You are not wrong. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this lady has played like multiple cranky old ladies. Look, if you have a thing, you go with it. Do what you love. So she's really rude, like from the start. She's very rude to a, to a child. To a small child coming into her bank. She's just straight up rude. But then she finds like, well, I don't want to deal with you anymore, so I'm just gonna pass the buck. And no, it's pass- a bank. You made a bank joke. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to the guy whose name I can't remember. We're just Biederman. gonna call him Weasel from now on. Fine, Biederman. You remember it, Biederman. Yeah, Mr. Weisel. Mr. Weisel. So she takes him to Biederman. And she's like, "This is your problem now, not mine. Back off, bud." Her exact words. And so then we get the really bizarre scene of this kid not actually admitting that he's juiced, but just saying that he's not thirsty and Biederman being like, <laughs> you're funny. Because the code word for the, the well, pass the guy off guy was, was going to be juice. Yeah. No, that was his name. Well, I'm sorry. You don't have to be so aggressive about it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Madam. So he thinks this kid is juice. Which, like, frankly, dude, how are you the president of this bank? You're I mean, that idiot. wouldn't be a bad move to, like, send a child to do your well, dirty work Well, and that's kind of, you. like, what he does is he's like, ho, 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 this is so fucking clever. Send a kid yeah. to pick up this money. And so he gives this kid- You gotta think kid- like a criminal, Jess. You gotta think like a criminal. That's my mistake. So he gives this kid a million dollars. In, like, fives and tens- it looked very heavy. It looked like that would be a lot of weight. And yeah. And he's very fair, small again. They did stuff that backpack pretty dang full. Yeah. And so the kid takes the money and runs. And he runs into juice on his way out. The actual juice. Yes. The terrible stereotype of a person, juice. Yeah. Why is he such a... He's the only person of color in this entire movie. And he's like yep. a fucking creep. He's, he's That would be terrible stereotyping of racism. Yeah. He's just like a pervert. And he's objectifying women like really loudly and obnoxiously. It's yeah. Just, like really obnoxiously. I'm not down. I'm not down with that or with his shirts. Your soon-to-be husband wears a lot of Hawaiian shirts. Yep. He sure I'll have you know. Does. Let me tell you, I'm not happy about that. It's either. a whole world of people, and you picked him. Uh-huh. Sure did. I don't remember exactly when it is, but, but we find out that Shay, now hold on to your pants, is not just an attractive part-time bank teller. No. She works for the FBI. What has to be the least competent like group of the FBI? These people so are that's ridiculous. saying a lot because the FBI, um, they're not they're not good people. Mm-mm. They're not very they're not good. But not good. there is a, a scene when she calls and she's like, I don't remember what she says, just some shit like the exchange is being made because they've been trailing, I guess, this fake money right. or this marked money that was in the suitcase initially. But when I heard her on the phone, all I could hear of was like, she's on, she's at the bank and she's on the phone. She's on the horn talking at the bank to the FBI. She didn't like wait until she could go outside or hang out in she an alley. She was not covert so- in any way. No. So she's like, hello, fellow secret operative. Illegal happenings are occurring right now. Like it was just this <laughs> really weird weird whatever it was yeah the the entire like workings of the fbi in this movie are ridiculous also how on like a scale of one to ten how illegal is it to try to cash a a fake check when you're a minor is it a fake check though i mean i guess not i mean it's really not it's a blank check this guy signed 
Just because he didn't fill it out doesn't make it not a legitimate check. Right. So is that illegal? I don't think so. Like, I don't know. Can you write a out. child a check for that much money? Is that a problem? I don't know. I, I would assume it would be fine. Like, if you can write a check for $11 for a kid, why can't you write one for a million? I don't know. We need to talk to our, we need to talk to our contacts at the- We need to call our lawyers and our bank assistants and figure this out. Yeah, we need, we need to call our attractive part-time banker. Our attractive part-time tellers and see what they say. Also, when his parents find out that he, that his bike got run over, Right. Because he almost got killed. Right. We they get this. mad at him and they, they, I think that they ground him. Yeah. Like this kid literally got, he almost fucking killed. got mur- killed. Like, and your concern is the bike? I'm, yeah, they were pissed because the bike got ruined. And I was like, man, I hope that he doesn't get murdered someday or they're going to be furious. Right. Like through no action of your own, your bike got mangled. I guess we're not replacing your bike because you're such a terrible kid. Like, come on. Can you imagine if Abby almost got hit by a car and you'd be so mad at her? Like, you stupid idiot. I can't believe you let that happen. 30 lashings and then you walk the plank. Oh, it's just riled me. I, re- I can't remember where I read it, but it's something that I've really taken to heart just like parental wise and like just life wise like if something breaks like you know a dish breaks or something gets knocked over and breaks the first question should be are you okay right it shouldn't be what happened what did you do it should be are you okay right this thing broke okay that's secondary to in that happening it's a thing you can replace the thing right like i can't replace my kid dad can steal another bike just like we can replace that bike like steal another computer and sell it those things are worth bank right now probably so like add a notch on the terrible parenting scale they're the worst oh my god they're so bad so he's got a million dollars which apparently he just keeps in this backpack yeah for the yeah, whole he does. movie the entire movie like he never does he, it. he carries cash. the backpack with him so yeah weird. that's really just not if anyone listening gets a million dollars in cash don't carry it around in a do not carry it around in, in a, a backpack, backpack. Not everywhere that you go. That's a terrible idea. Find a shoe box. You slide that right under your bed. So then we get the scene with this house, this castle-like monstrosity. It's so ugly. And I like gothy stuff, but this shit is so fake looking and gross. Well, that's because it started as a water tower. and It used to be a water tower. It's the classic story of a a water tower getting too big for its britches and (laughs) becoming a mansion. In Texas, Indiana. You've heard it a million times. So Quigley is in this house trying to buy it for like $170,000. Clearly being a huge fucking creep. He keeps like kissing his realtor. Right. And like a, just like assaulting her. And this old couple is just like, first of all, this is not how buying a house works. At all. <laughs> Enlighten us. Well, it's Did you a, not make out with your realtor? No, I did not because he was an older gentleman named Kirby and he was very misogynistic. Just like this guy. Just like this guy, except, you know, my realtor and everything that... I, so when we bought our house, I basically took point on a lot of stuff because Connor's not very good talking to people like off the cuff. He yeah. needs a little preparation time. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I'm very good at faking my way through shit. So I took point on this and I was the one emailing and I was the one calling and Kirby, our realtor, still addressed everything to Connor. Of course. We got Christmas cards for a couple of years after, all addressed to Connor and family. Not me, the girl who emailed with him regularly. Connor. Fembot. Fembot. Yeah, this is, there's a lot more paperwork involved in buying a house. Pretty sure you just call. 
in a robot voice and slap a bunch of money on the table. And I looked up this house and I looked this up. I didn't do a whole lot of research, but I did look it up on Zillow and the, the records only go back to 2005, but in 2005 it sold for $1.5 million. Okay. That's quite a difference from 170,000. Well, okay. Let me look up real quick the convert, the inflation rate. So it sold, it was on the market for $220,000. Is that what it was? So today, oh, that's not that bad. $220,000 in 1994 equals $387,752. That's not at all $1.5 million. No, it's not. That's some, maybe in Texas, Indiana. It's a hot market. It's a hot market. Everyone wants to live. It's Texas. It's Stranger Things. It's Indiana. But so Preston calls in to buy this house because that's a thing that you can do in Texas, Indiana. I guess so. I guess so. So he calls and he uses the computer voice to buy this house. Yeah. And at one point, he one of his offers is a, like an amount and he'll cover closing costs. Isn't that implied? I've never bought a house. Um, It's not implied. So closing costs are things that get paid and it's not always like that you cover everyone's closing costs. But like, why does this 12 year old know what closing costs are? Maybe dad's a realtor. I don't think dad's a realtor because he has some presentation that he's making, like a financial oh. presentation. Oh yeah, you're right. Plan, whatever. Yeah. 144 or something. Something dumb like that. But it, this is just not how houses are sold. But so anyway, he spends more money than he intended to spend buying this house yes which like good pay these old people what their house is worth yeah they're old as hell they're old as hell let them have a good retirement and so he buys it straight out under quigley for which is such a weird like coincidence that quigley's first of all if you're an escaped convict exchanging cash for clean money why would you buy the most ostentatious ugly castle manor that you could i don't i don't know Like, if I had escaped prison and had a million dollars, I would get a studio apartment somewhere for a while. Wouldn't you fucking get out of Dodge? Wouldn't you go somewhere that wasn't the place you had just escaped from? Go to what's far away from Indiana and Texas. Go to Alaska. Go to Alaska. Go live in the I'm going to go collect beaver pelts. Right? No one's going to care what you're doing in Alaska. So Preston Waters has a terrible castle mansion. Yes, it's ugly. He is pretending that he is employed by a Mr. McIntosh. Yes. And he hires a driver. Yes. Who is, I think his name is Henry. His, I believe his name is Henry. He is unspeakably rude to this small child. Yes, he is. At the start. And very quickly changes his tune to being BFFs with the 12-year-old. Yeah. After a montage scene through a mall. There are too many montages in this movie. There are so many montages in this movie. There are too many. No movie needs this many montages. No, not one. Like, I one montage, fine. Maybe two. But past that, your writing has failed. Yeah, I agree. Completely. So many. And then, like, Connor brought this up. Where is the scene of all of these asshole kids from the birthday party wanting to be friends with Preston now that he has money? Well, do they know he has money? I would assume that they have some idea. He's walking around in ugly suits. Little kids in suits, like, for weddings is pretty cute, but little kids in just business suits looks weird. Especially business suits, which is, like, the worst vest-tie combos that you could pick. Yeah, his tie game was not good. It was bad, but it was exactly what a 12-year-old from 1994 would pick. Yeah, that's true. To be fair to the costuming department here, that is exactly what a 12-year-old boy would pick. Yeah. Scumps to the costuming department. Good job, guys. 
So they're driving around, just like living life, just, you know, shooting the shit, chewing the fat, talking about all these great purchases and stuff. And then as they're driving along, what do they see? Who do they see? Who do they see? Jogging, minding her own fucking business. But Shay, the bank teller from the leaflet, who's definitely just a bank teller and not anything else like an FBI That's all agent. she is, just a part-time bank teller with a bob. And she's jogging, and he decides the appropriate thing to do, because he's 12, is to catcall her. Literally. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you... First of all, why does she remember this kid? Maybe she was worried about him, like the rest of us. I mean, I guess that's fair. But also, like, shouldn't you be like, where are your parents? Why are you in a limo when Why you are you in a limo? $11 to deposit into a bank account? Right. Who is this man? Is he, is he hurting you? Also, then she claims that she's out of shape. Bitch, please. <sighs> yeah. What, yes. No. Whatever. I'm out of shape. Also, why are you jogging at night? Women don't jog at at night. Jogging is terrible. Also, why is she out jogging? Because she then goes back to the, like, surveillance van and checks in with her partner. Maybe she had nothing better to do. Maybe she's one of those people who thinks that jogging is fun. But that doesn't explain why the surveillance van is right there. Because this branch of the FBI is real dumb. They have nothing going on. Nothing. So then she comes by the house where Preston has installed the aforementioned bitchin' water slide. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to find Mr. McIntosh because she thinks that Mr. McIntosh is the person who is laundering money. Right. Which, legit, he Also, is. he has a, a 12-year-old in his employ. Also, he's employing a 12-year-old which I'm pretty sure is illegal. Yeah, this isn't Victorian England. We don't have children labeling bottles in factories anymore. We have labor laws in like every state that says if you're under 14 and not related to the person who's employing you, you cannot work. Yeah. Unless you have a newspaper route. And this has like, I think the smoothest line in this entire movie comes out of Preston. She asks if like where McIntosh is, he's busy, but I'm not. Yeah, because I'm 12. Because I'm 12 and I don't have any responsibilities. I have nothing going on. If only you weren't 12, Preston. The other thing I have, I just have a quote from it. Is he an entrepreneur? No, he's American. Yeah, that is pretty funny. (laughs) I was like, oh, Preston, you're a dumb 12-year-old. He's 12. And then I can't remember what happens because I did not pay very good attention to this movie, I don't think. But at some point, he's being chased through the park by Quigley. Is this before or after the terrible pedophilia date? I think it's before. Okay, so... For some reason, they find him in this park. I think that Quigley they just happened upon Juice him. and Weasel. Yes. <laughs> Juice and Weasel. <laughs> so they're chasing him in a car. They drive a car through this park. It's a nice car. It's a very nice car. Like a boat. And they're driving through this park. First of all, where are the cops? Because this is like a five-minute chase scene through a park. They were uh, shooting an arm black guy. You're right. They were missing. And then this is my least favorite thing in any form of media. I never want to see somebody throwing up. Who threw up? Juice threw up. Did he? So Juice got kicked out of the car to go chase the kid because they couldn't take the car down a staircase. Yeah. And he's running really hard and he falls in a river and he's running and he's running and they finally pick him up again. And Quigley's like, don't throw up in my car. And then he's like, oh, I'm not going to. And then he, of course, throws up in the car. You don't see anything, do you? Oh, you do. Oh. And I never, ever need to see somebody throwing up. It's unnecessary. It's not pleasant. That's for sure. It's super unneeded in anything that you're doing. Right. There is never 
never a reason to show somebody throwing up. Okay, you, you feel very strongly about this. I feel time. very strongly about this. Connor agrees with me, even if you Mental don't. note, never puke in front of Jesse. She's going to be a big bitch about it. <laughs> no, that's different. That's real life. That's not somebody took time to film this. Yeah, if I puked in front of you, you would be like, oh my god, what can I do? Are you okay? I'm going to hold your hair back. Exactly, because that's real life. It's not you holding chunks of shit in your mouth and then spitting them out. Well, fuck, when you say it like that, it's gross. Do you think that filming somebody fake vomiting is not gross? I think that people are allowed their creative expression. No, I, I draw the line at vomiting on film. That's fair. Stop biting. Let's talk about the party. Wait, does the so, date come before? The date comes before the party, right? We got to talk about the date. We've been putting it off. I just wanted to pretend the date didn't happen. So, right. So he he tells her that he's free. When she comes by the house, when he's he's not busy, or he's busy, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And he gets her to agree to a date, which I think that if they had played it off as like, this is a very serious FBI agent with an in, and she's using it to get information about Mr. McIntosh. Right. Would have been fine. Right. But. But this woman literally is making heart eyes at a 12-year-old. Yes, she is. It's creepy. It's, it's super creepy. And, creepy. and like, it starts off okay. They go to a dinner and like, sure, whatever. It's like a fancy, fancy pants dinner. And this is what bothered me. So this is a child. He's a, a little boy. Child. Ain't no balls dropped yet. He's a kid. He's on this like date at a, I don't know. It's like a probably, I would say, $60 a plate. It's like a generic fancy French restaurant. And he's there under the guise of like, oh, Mr. Like Mr. Macintosh giants here all the time and they know him. And then the waiter brings out plates of what appear to be crawfish. Yeah. And goes, compliments of the chef. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. No one ain't no one giving you free tiny lobsters. Maybe Mr. Macintosh like, doesn't exist. That too. Maybe maybe this kid paid them to do that. Paying a restaurant to bring out food and say compliments of the chef is some like 4D chess that I was not prepared for. Right. So they have this dinner and like if she had played it off as like, I am just trying to get information out of you, it'd be one thing. I kind of felt like she was humoring him the whole time. Right. And like that that's that's okay. Up until the fountain scene. Let's talk about the fountain scene. Let's There's talk- a lot to unpack, so <sighs> Why? First of all, let's talk about this dress that she's wearing. It's ugly. First of all, it's really ugly. Second of all, it is super inappropriate for a potentially information gathering date. I'm making quotation marks. No one else can see this because this is an audio format. (laughs) With a 12-year-old. Definitely shows how out of shape she is, though. So out of shape. She's Mm -hmm. definitely not in shape at all. You're gross to look at. And then he takes her to a burger joint because the other restaurant's too fancy. Well, he like somehow fell backwards and pulled all the food on top of him. So he's like, do you want a hamburger? And she goes, I love hamburgers because I'm not like other girls. I'm not like other girls. So they go and get a burger and they're hanging out at this park. And she's like, why did you take me here? Instead of literally, where are your parents? It's getting awfully late here, kiddo. What's going on? Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up. I got a Tinder date later. There was no Tinder in 1984. <laughs> there were no smartphones in 1994, so. That's right, kids. Isn't that awful? There were no games on phones. There was snake. You had to that call everyone. Texting wasn't a thing yet. When you texted, it took a long time because you had to press one button three times to get to that the That might not even wanted. been a thing in 1994 yet. I think it was. My cousin was born in 79, and she told me that she'd been texting since, like, 8th grade. So that okay, was... Maybe. 90? Anyway. Anyway, so then we get to the wildly uncomfortable fountain dancing scene. Yes. 
because nothing says platonic May-December relationship like dancing through a fountain. That's right. With music playing. Phil Collins is playing or whatever. With fancy romance music. This is where I feel like the movie really took a turn to the no good. Yeah, I got creeped out really badly. Before the fountain dancing, this was just a generic 90s kids movie. After the fountain dancing scene, all you can think about is the pedophilia. As Patton Oswalt would say, it took a hard left turn into assholeville. For sure, it did. I agree. It was creepy. And it just Because she didn't immediately shut him down. Yeah, which she should have, 100%. So then Preston's like, oh, we're having a party. Macintosh is totally going to be there. Because remember, Preston is about to turn 12, so his birthday is coming up It's his birthday and Macintosh's birthday. They're celebrating together. What a coincidence. So they have a party planner and this woman who doesn't have a budget that she's working towards. She just doesn't itemize her bill. That really bothered me. She doesn't have an itemized bill. She takes a $10,000 deposit but doesn't like get any other input or guidance. Right. And then she puts together this party, which let me tell you, does not look like a $100,000 party. It's tacky. It's It's very tacky. Even for the 90s, it was tacky. It was small. None of that food looked that great. Mm -mm. That was not a $100,000 party. This lady is 100% trying to scam Macintosh. Yeah, for sure. Which, you know what? Sure, whatever. That actress was Felicia Rashad's sister. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't remember her name. But who are these people that come to this party? There are so many people who show up for a man who doesn't exist. They bring presents for a man that doesn't exist. And they take them back. And then they take them back, which is funny as hell. How how did these people even, like, one, know to show up, two, actually decide to show up, three, get dolled up and then show up? This was a big blowout birthday party that involves many people who have never met him. Obviously, this Mr. McIntosh. A party planner who doesn't itemize her expenses. But then... Dad shows up. Abusive dad shows up. Dick And starts talking to the back of Macintosh's chair, which, of course, is just Preston. Right. And he doesn't say, like, hey, dude, turn around. Also, have you been molesting my son? Because you're definitely grooming him. Definitely grooming him. But, yeah, like, that was a really weird scene. Like, wouldn't you be like, hey, I'm going to stop talking until you, like, turn around because this is awkward. Yeah, for real. Why won't you turn around? You're employing my son, and I'm here begging that you let him come home early? So he can celebrate his birthday? But then, like, they aren't at home? It's just the other way. Right, so, like, Dad makes his plea, and Preston is crying in the chair, and... Dad goes home and he's driving off and Preston runs after him but stops. And like previously in this movie, when Preston was moving into the mansion house, all of these trucks that he had delivering stuff were blocking his parents' driveway. Yes. Why didn't he just go home? I don't know. And then, like, the bad guys break into his parents' house, but no one's there. So, like, why ask for Preston to be able to go home early if no one's even home to celebrate his birthday? Maybe Where is his family? Time. I don't know. They're probably out fucking... I don't... This movie's bad. It's, it's a bad so movie. Bad. It's a bad movie. And then Preston, after his father leaves, Preston goes to get the money out to pay this party planner her $100,000. And he finds out that he only has $300 left. That was before. That's why he was sitting in the chair. Right. Because he didn't have the rock from Ballers to teach him financial responsibility. 
That was but he did have a very well-organized spreadsheet of his finances. He had a weirdly good spreadsheet for a 12-year-old from Texas, Indiana. He had some weirdly good computer skills for a kid who didn't have a computer before his dad stole one. That's true. That is so true. So he has no money, and he has to go to the party punter and be like, I don't have any money. Mr. McIntosh is gone. He doesn't own up to McIntosh not being a person. He's just like, nope, McIntosh left. He's gone. Yeah, he's gone. I don't know where he is. The party planner goes up to the stage is like, this party is over. McIntosh is a fraud, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And she goes to leave. As she's leaving, some lady legit snatches her wig. Yeah, I love that part. <laughs> that was hilarious. It was gone. And then the bad guys show up to the mansion. Right, they figured it out. They found Butch or something, and Butch led them to the mansion. Yeah, they I were both. Yeah, attention. they were using Butch. So they show up to the mansion, and then we get the Home Alone knockoff part of the movie. So boring. That Not was as good. Just browsing Reddit, I was so bored. Yeah. So then we get a lot of like not great action scenes. Somebody gets hit in the junk because it's not a 90s movie if nobody's hit in That's the junk. Right. And then Preston, I guess, kind of gets away, but then doesn't. And then the FBI shows up. It's not explained. They just found them somehow. I don't, I don't. Shay showed up to the party at some point. I don't remember how the FBI came to come to the party as well, but there we go. And then, so like Quigley and Weasel have been talking about how he could pretend to be Macintosh and become mayor of Texas, Indiana. And then when the FBI shows up, Quigley still is like, oh no, I'm Macintosh. Why was Quigley claiming to be Macintosh at that point? There was no benefit of claiming to be Macintosh. I don't know. But he still. It's, did not, it. it's not explained at all. So much of this movie is not explained. <laughs> you have a note here about how you could spend a million dollars in six days. No problem. Two nice Easy. Easy as hell. A million dollars? I live in What would a million dollars be from 1994 to today? Do you know how much houses cost in South Minneapolis? They're like a good ones, like at least 400K. Easily. Easy. Okay, if in 1994 you purchased an item for $1 million. <laughs> Shocked with freaking laser beams. That's $1.75 million today from 1994 to now. Wow, it's, it's almost doubled? Almost doubled. I could still, I could spend that. I could spend literally any amount of money in six days. Try it's me. Hard. I take like sponsors. Money. Huh? Bezos. Let's shit on Bezos for a little while. Jeff. Baby. Baldy. There's a... Give me some money. I'll spend it. A website. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's spend Jeff Bezos's money. And it's just like... And you can't. You can't. It's like literally you go through ridiculous scenarios. It gets to a point pretty quickly where like you can't... There's there's no point in him having any more money. No, like you literally can't spend it. it. And you have to be miserable. You'd have to be. I mean, your wife left left you, Jeff. So what's what's left? We all know that Mackenzie left you, Jeff. She left you. And you're the richest man alive, so your personality must really be a fucking dumpster fire. Let's talk a little about the 90s fashion here, because it is pretty solid. It's horrible. Everything about this movie is horrible fashion-wise. I mean, yes, but it was the 90s, so that's pretty on point. We've talked a lot about his polo shirt tucked into his khakis. His tucks or his suits with his terrible vest tie combos. Very bad tie combos. The other thing that I noticed that I had to look up because I had no idea is at one point Preston is wearing a Texadillo shirt. Yes. Texadillo was the mascot of the Texas Sesquicentennial Celebration in 1986. 
which was the okay. celebration of 150 years of independence from Mexico, I guess. Because Texas never let anything go. But so not only is this an incredibly dated shirt for 1994. Yeah, it's that's also, eight years old. It's, it's like an eight-year-old shirt. So this Texas celebration was ridiculous to start with. It was kicked off by Prince Charles? What? Yes. Prince Charles came and cut a 90,000 pound cake to kick off the celebrations. Wait, it cost 90,000 pounds because he's British no, it or it weighed, weighed 90,000 pounds. What? How is that? How? What does a 90,000 pound cake look like? Probably big and ugly. Did it look like an armadillo? That would have been great. I hope it did. I couldn't find any pictures of it, but I didn't look that hard. What does Prince Charles have to do with Texas? I'm glad you asked, Jesse. The answer is nothing. Not a single fucking thing. No. Apparently, he didn't even speak. Like, he literally came and cut the cake and went to his hotel. Are you sure it was him and not a guy in a Prince Charles mask? How would you tell the difference? This was in 86? Yeah. So this was when he was still married to Diana? Probably. I don't know. When did they split up? I don't remember. Mm, 90s. Yeah. So yeah, it's... Uh, the other note that I have about like set stuff is that the f- money lo- just looks so fake. Yeah. And some of that is because the design of money has changed so much that it's just mm. wildly different. That's true. But it also literally looked like, you know, like regular fake. paper. Yeah. Fake money. <laughs> well, now for our favorite section of every podcast, all the problematic shit that we haven't already covered. It's really just one problematic thing, and that is... Pedophilia? The pedophilia. Like everything. Like your first note is about how Macintosh, if Macintosh was a real person, would clearly be grooming this child. So we mentioned before the labor laws thing. There's a 12-year-old who's saying that he's working for a grown man. That's a red flag. Super red flag. Especially like his parents have not met Macintosh. They haven't met him. No one was like, maybe we should look into why our child is suddenly working long hours. He even tells the chauffeur, Henry, that Macintosh gives him kind of free reign because he didn't really have much of a childhood. So he's letting me indulge. This child would be like super molested. Super molested. Molested. A hundred percent. It's creepy. It's wrong. I'm not a fan. Everything about it is weird. The fact that nobody cared enough to look into it is off-putting. Yeah. And then, like, the whole Shay dating a 12-year-old thing. Yeah. And at the end, when they bust the bad guys and they're arresting Quigley and Weasel and Juice, and somehow Preston has got out of this without any consequences. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And Shay is talking to him and she kisses, like, full on, on the mouth lips. Mouth to mouth kisses. Mouth to mouth kisses a 12-year-old. Oh my god, that kiss was fucking scarring. What the fuck, Disney? And then she's talking like, oh, call me in six years when you when will he's barely 18. be le- legal. Yeah. Yep. What the she's fuck? She's into it. It's gross. Everything about it is awful. It's creepy. Um, I'm over the sexualization of children. But I'm also, over... like, and like, so Connor's take on this, not that he thought it was good or an okay thing, was that as a 12-year-old boy, this is a legit, like, plot line that you would be into. And like, fine. I get that. 12-year-old boys, sure. Yeah. Studio executives who are not 12-year-old boys greenlit this movie well this was also i feel like this happened right around the time that that mary Kay, what's her name yeah uh i don't remember her name lorraine lorraine to whatever who was arrested for having a sexual relationship with her student who was like 14 this was really big news she went to prison when she got out they got married they had a couple of kids together 
Um, they eventually well, that wasn't divorced. until 1997. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Apparently, they like have a family. Weird. No, she's dead now. She died. Oh, did she? Oh, she did. She died yeah. in July. She's for sure burning in hell. She was a horrible yeah. fucking human being. And he divorced her. They got divorced because whatever reason. But women are very infrequently child groomers. It happens really quite rarely. It's almost always men. So it, I don't think it gets taken as seriously. And when that happens with what's her last name Letourneau Letourneau Mary Kay Letourneau when that happened there were so many people who tried to dismiss it as like yeah but you know he probably liked it I mean you know he was a 14 year old boy you think he didn't like it if the roles were reversed if it was a grown man raping a 14 year old girl this wouldn't even be an issue so this whole thing with like oh well that's like that's like you know like a, a preteen male fantasy that ha- that has to it has to go it can't yeah. it cannot a hundred percent thing. But yeah, like the idea that this got greenlit by any sort of studio is okay. Very 90s. Very 90s, very wrong. They didn't know. Ugh, it's just, it's the whole thing just feels skeezy. It's very skeezy. It's very creepy. Like everything about this movie was fine up until that. Very like, unprofessional, the FBI. Very unprofessional. Get your shit together, FBI. Please. What kills me about this is that Preston walks away from this movie with no consequences whatsoever. Yeah, that's true. Nothing. What happened to the house? It probably just got, like, foreclosed on because the person who bought it was a fictionalized character from a 12-year-old. So what is the moral of blank check? There isn't one. I think the intended moral that they tried for was that money can't buy you happiness. Not when it runs out. I think the unintended moral was blame all your problems on other people. Yeah, pretty much. Because it's it's, a, it's okay to bully other people. If you got bullied, just pass it on. And apparently pedophilia is okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything else on this one, do you? No, I don't have anything else. It was not a good movie. Uh, I didn't like it. Awful movie. And I I'm, hope that you didn't watch this just to listen to our podcast. I hope not. But if I could, I would like to briefly go over this review. Yes, please enlighten us. Schwartz. So she uses a lot of screenshots so i'll try to kind of bypass those i already opened with so the movie opens with a guy escaping from prison it is never mentioned again so escaped convict goes and gets a million dollars in cash that he left welded beneath the floorboards of some abandoned building luckily he also left his welding tools nearby so then we meet preston waters this dorky ass kid who wears a tucked in shirt and khakis to a birthday party at an amusement park a kid so dorky, fucking named his goldfish Alan. Oh, how boring do you have to this be? This is our hero. Alan. Preston's life is hard because he has two asshole older brothers who are allowed to move all of their junk into his room, and also they steal his life savings with no consequences. They have a small business called Hand and Foot Incorporated, which is why their dad lets them be bullies because he's so proud of them having a small business. <laughs> Preston is sad because he's poor, like most 12 year olds, and his dad only gave him $6 to go to a theme park with his friends which isn't enough money to go on any of the rides which is a petty (laughs) which is a pretty jerk move for his dad apparently his six dollars went pretty fucking far at this amusement park he definitely went on more than like two rides he went on at least two rides and he got a giant cotton candy that's true does his dad not know how theme parks in their town works? Could Preston really not let him know? Also, where are the kids' parents during this birthday party? I like to think that if they noticed one poor kid who couldn't afford to go on any of the rides, they would have helped him. This is For a sure. lawless, terrible universe. <laughs> 
So the escaped convict goes into a bank and threatens the bank owner into forcing him to launder the money for him so the police can't trace it. Instead of calling the police on this escaped convict, he agrees to give the million dollars in cash to whoever walks into his office at 1pm. And through a series of hijinks, that person is Preston Waters. The bank teller sees this tiny child come in with a check for a million dollars made up to cash and brings him to the owner of the bank because that seems like a reasonable thing to waste his time with. Again, because of hijinks, Preston gets the money intends it looks like and puts it in his backpack (laughs) a million dollars in cash would not fit in a child's backpack really google it and especially (laughs) not when the bills are tens but whatever this is a garbage world where physics don't apply The escaped convict, Mr. Quigley, tries to buy one of those neighborhood castles for $150,000, which even in 1994 shouldn't be the right amount of money. Nope. Then Preston calls in and offers more money using the automated voice on his Macintosh computer, which sounds creepy as fuck. The people selling the house do not care that it 100% sounds like a prank call. They do not even run his credit or ask for his first name. Preston is a 12-year-old who knows what closing costs are. Thank you. I hate him so much. <laughs> She's right, and she should say it. So after he massively underpays for a castle, Preston goes off and has a I'm 12 years old with a million dollars fun with a driver he hired, Henry, who does not question at all why this child has so much money and free time. Like a goddamn weirdo, Henry hangs out and has fun with this child he has befriended. Preston pretends the money came from a rich guy named Mr. McIntosh who just lets him spend it and Henry barely questions it. Preston is like, yes, and that's the end of it. Preston (laughs) is driving his limo when he sees this hot bank teller jogging by the side of the road, so he decides to accost her. This grown woman is the love interest of the movie. She comes by the house later and agrees to go out with this child. Like a date to a fancy restaurant, wearing that dress, receiving jewelry, hugging him in a fountain, getting soaking wet. Meanwhile, Preston has told his parents that his newfound wealth is because he's working for a guy named Mr. McIntosh, and his parents do not question why this wealthy recluse has hired a child and paid him in cash. Why do any parents think this is okay? What do they think Preston's job is? If Mr. McIntosh was real, Preston would 100% be getting molested. I should have just read this. The top, I'm going to say it was the whole episode. Right? I'm thinking about just cutting everything else out except for this. <laughs> so the criminal tracks down Preston and chases him in a car while shouting some questionable taunts, such as, your butt is mine. Why would you say that to a child? But Preston gets away and decides to throw a giant party for himself where he realizes he ran out of money. It has been six days. Why is everyone obsessed with his butt? The party planner demands all of her money at the party, which doesn't seem like standard protocol. And when he says he doesn't have it, she literally goes on stage and says this, our host can't pay his bills, Mr. McIntosh is a fraud, which again, does not seem like center protocol at a party when a party planner hasn't been paid yet. So the party is shut down and people just snatch their presents back like that's a thing people do. What the fuck? And Preston's dad comes to the party and monologues to Preston in a backwards facing chair because he thinks it's Mr. McIntosh, an eccentric millionaire he's never Met who employs his child, <laughs> and then, the, and then the criminals show up, and Preston goes full home alone on them, even though he had zero time to pre- to prepare those traps. But luckily, the FBI shows up because the fictional Mr. McIntosh, who has existed in a child's mind for less than a week, is under investigation for fraud. I guess <laughs> this makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
They do not acknowledge that Mr. Quigley is an escaped convict or that the banker has been laundering money. No, this entire sting is for the mysterious Mr. McIntosh, except they have no idea who Mr. McIntosh is, because when Quigley claims to be him, again due to hijinks, the FBI are like, sure, probably, and arrest him as Mr. McIntosh, not as Quigley, the escaped convict. This also seems like standard FBI protocol. Oh yeah, and Shay was FBI all along, who's been working at the bank for months, or long enough for them to get posters printed with her face on them anyway, so she would be ready to go for this investigation of a person who who a child made up less than a week ago. And the FBI also arrests Quigley's henchmen because they were standing next to him, which should not be a good enough reason to arrest someone. <laughs> Literally, they have no idea who these people are. This isn't how it works. Again, no mention that this is the escaped convict Quigley, who stole the money in the first place. They're just suspicious of the Macintosh character. And then this happens, which is insane. Like, this isn't big, where a woman thinks she's kissing a grown man. This is a grown a grown lady, an FBI agent, full-on mouth-kissing a 12-year-old child who is also related to her investigation. How is this okay in any universe? I am still grossed out. And there you have it. Preston is out of money and back to where he started. Quigley will probably be released from custody when they realize he actually isn't actually Mr. McIntosh, and the FBI will become embroiled in a major scandal for gross incompetence and a kid made out with a grown lady the end oh lord this movie's awful don't watch it this movie is awful don't watch it what do you rate this movie ally i'm going to give this movie two out of seven and a half blank checks i am gonna give it one out of six giant hagen das buckets of ice cream i feel like i rated it too highly you want to amend your rating i'm gonna give it one and three-fifths of a blank check. Okay. Out, Out of seven. seven still? Yes. Okay. So the overall consensus is this is a terrible movie. Don't watch it. It's not a good movie. My entire basis of watching it was based on the water slide and it wasn't worth it. This is your Jungle to Jungle. You know what? I'm okay with that because Jungle to Jungle was still probably worse. I disagree. Overall, as a whole movie, I think it was worse. I mean, it's fair. Thank you for listening to our episode about Blank Check, the 1994 cinematic classic. If we screwed something up severely, please let us know. If you just disagree with us, you can also let us know. I will happily fight you on Twitter. She lives for it. Don't. I don't her. actually live for it. I use Twitter very little. My handle on Twitter is Jesse hates this. So that makes sense. I don't even have Facebook anymore, so no, I can't fight anybody. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WTPA Pod. Also, send us suggestions. What do you want to hear? Yes, what should please, we watch? What's your us. favorite Disney movie? Hit us up. Because if nothing else, we're going to do that dumb pirate movie next. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Wash Blessed. your hands. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Uh, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. No one's impressed. If you had a million dollars in cash, where would you hide it? Like in our, where our current facilities or with our current Yeah. Facilities? Would you keep it in a backpack and carry it around with you all the time? No, I wouldn't. I'd actually probably use one of the good boxes and put it in storage. You're the fucking good boxes. They're Apple boxes that he took from work and they're the good boxes and we keep reusing <laughs> them whenever we move and we have like 75 of them. Downstairs. In the land of the unstably housed, the man with the good boxes is king. <laughs> boxes i don't know if i keep it in storage but it is locked up you know maybe no one keep nobody looking there do you have a million dollars in one of the good boxes downstairs well we do have like 75 of them it's time to go through all the good boxes <laughs>
one woman's journey to investigate the good boxes (laughs) on CBS this fall. (laughs) 